another week, another episode of BAM, that's Boris and Matt Weekly, where we talk about all things sports, we talk about all things entertainment, and at the end of the show, we talk sports entertainment. We're your hosts, I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Boris, we got a lot to get to today, buddy. Super Bowl preview, NBA trade deadline talk, a couple blockbusters in the league. We also have a new coach in Montreal for the Habs. That'll be fun. We have the Winter Olympics going on, and we haven't even mentioned wrestling yet. So lots to talk about. But, buddy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm honestly doing really good. Um, Yeah, I'm well-rested, I think. I hope so. I'm ready. I'm packed. I'm loaded. Nice. And I'm ready to go. But yeah, no, everything's going really. <laughs> everything's when you going say really loaded, well. loaded, loaded. You know, um, <laughs> like locked and loaded, or locked like, and loaded. You know, like, yeah, locked, cocked, go. loaded. Remember that from the Attitude Era? Those uh, I do with the DX stuff. <sighs> Boy, they had some absolutely ridiculous shirts in the Attitude Era. Who could forget APA? Always pounding ass. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I wonder if we were our age that we are now, living then, if we would like the Attitude Era or just think it's just nonchalant bullshit, like childish BS. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Well, 1999, everything was kind of like that. It was the time of Limp Biscuit and uh, Woodstock 99. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a crazy, angry time. But I, I think we probably would have laughed at it and not with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's just... <sighs> Man, it's 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 like gloomy. It's 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 cold. But here we are, man. But you know, we have a lot of things to get to. Um, b- but before we get to all of that, how are you? How's it going? How's life? I'm good, man. Yeah, yesterday I stayed in. Like I said, like I, I was getting ready to record our podcast early. Didn't work out, so I was like, oh, I'll play a little Skyrim. And then eight hours later, I was like, Ugh, I must go outside. So I actually like went outside, touched grass, as the kids say. And uh, yeah, today I feel a little more productive. So that's good, buddy. Got some fresh air in the lungs. How are you doing? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Like uh, I just had a couple errands to do um, before I, I get to work and all of that fun stuff. Um, still haven't heard from that customer, by the way, which is hilarious. As a follow up to yesterday's uh, story <laughs> about the abandoned meetings, before I start talking about cats' asses on my face, I listened back. To- <laughs> I listened back to that. I'm like, man, what the fuck am I talking about sometimes? <laughs> Yeah, I listened to it in real time and wondered that, buddy. But uh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Sorry. So hey, let's let's kind of dive into it while talking about your next couple days because you're flying out, you're hitting the skies. Do you have a plan for the Super Bowl? Are you gonna watch it in the Big Apple? I am honestly, I'm fifty fifty on 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 where I'm gonna watch it. In terms of location, and the reason for that is just. You know, I have this this thing. Like, I I I've, I haven't gotten COVID in the past two years, and I'm I know I'm gonna be fine. I know I'll be fine. I'm triple vaxxed. You do you, whatever. It is what it is, right? But it's one of those things where I'm just afraid that something's gonna happen while I'm away, and I'm gonna do that test before I board the flight, and I'm fucked, and I'm stuck, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. It's just yeah. it's so difficult to travel right now, and the only, the main reason why I'm doing this one is just because like the customer's really pissed off, and I like basically volunteered to go, which is like you know it's 100 my choice right now. Um, but typically, you know, some of the new rules that we have is like if you're gonna go, try to double up on 
customer visits or you know whatever so that you're down in the states for an extended period of time um you know it ends up costing the company the same in the grand scheme of things it's just you know if if, if you get quarantined you're fucked right yeah exactly yeah that way you're not traveling back and forth makes sense makes sense but uh yeah, man. So I guess that's kind of discouraging you from like going out to a bar and getting all, you know, crazy with it. <laughs> right. Yes. Like, yeah, it's it's and even then. Right. Like, um, I know that every customer now has different rules in terms of entertainment with vendors and clients and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's it's going to be different. But in the summer when I did some travels, man, it was just so different, like how the attitude around restaurants and all that was right like in the summer i went to chicago once and i you can count how many masks i saw um you know it it was crazy and even then like chicago is a lot better like i know some people who have moved from ottawa all the way to florida and they're just like people laugh at them when they wear a mask right but they're part of the canadian military so it's like they they kind of have (laughs) to um yeah but yeah it's just like yeah so so we'll see but I'm, I'm honestly, I'm kind of interested. Um, whew, I am gonna miss the 14th, so that's gonna be fun. Um. <laughs> <laughs> While you're away on work, that's a good excuse. We're yeah, nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. Exactly. Not to, yeah, exactly. you know. You know, I, I'm not gonna say it just in the off chance she actually listens to a podcast for once, and this is the first time she actually ever listens to something. <laughs> I'm not gonna Doubt get it. too deep into it, but it's oh, I fucking doubt it it's hilarious so on yesterday in the morning when i was when we were chatting uh she was just asking me how like all the shows are going right especially knowing that like with all the changes here in snme how i'm handling like my 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 schedule and my workload and all that fun stuff and I was, you know everything was going fun i'm telling her uh just you know like sometimes uh you know if if some people may have noticed in the london station they didn't get the show right so the way that all of this works, you know, a peek behind the curtains is we upload the show when it's done on Sunday afternoons and there's one locate one central location and all the radio affiliates kind of grab it from there, right? So for me it's 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 easy. It's an FTP thing. I delete the previous week's episode. That way there's no way that, you know, there's remnants of the older episode for whatever reason, right? So then I right. upload our latest episode and i honestly forget about it that's it that's all we're supposed to do um i do do spot checks sometimes i'll like tune in on or like go on my uh, on my phone on the iHeartRadio app and check that the right episode is airing then i'll let jason know what's going on right so the one week i didn't do any spot checks is the week that obviously one of our affiliates just didn't get the episode haven't really dug too deep into it like jason knows jason emailed people and i'm sure everything is fine but it's like you know just the one week that something happens so if you do ever tune into the radio show for whatever reason and it is an older episode just mess you know shoot me a quick message um you know we're, we're everything is always fine like we're, we're people someone was wondering for canceled or whatever. no not at all it's just sometimes the ftp doesn't update on the on the affiliate side right so it, you they get the old episode it's happened it it happens uh but it was just kind of funny right anyway so back to yeah. the original story so i'm talking about that issue and then uh she's like i really should listen to one of your shows sometime 
And she says this no so nonchalantly, right? Like at first she used to like feel so like like uh, uh express uh sorry. Like, you know, yeah, like, like guilty. Like, guilt, right? Like and now it's just so nonchalant, like, yeah, I don't fucking listen. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yeah i've had uh i've had a few uh lady friends uh tell me they listened but like tapped out uh especially like after sports talk but just generally just like you know we're, we're talking sports and wrestling and we're nerding out it's not the subject matter that a lot of my lady friends would personally well, seek out although i do i do have uh, friends well, buddy, who are, you, you know, know what one of these sports. episodes one of these episodes it's got to be a special edition of bam nothing but relationship advice from boris and matt <laughs> That's the worst idea I've ever heard. Or the in my best. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, <laughs> Patrons, whether you're a patron from SNME or listen to us on the BAM feed, send us your relationship questions. Yes. Matt and I got you covered. <laughs> Life advice with Ryan Rosillo with BAM. <laughs> with <laughs> I think that would kill. I think, well, kill relationships, not episode <laughs> like quality. Yeah, wise. exactly. It, yeah, it, it would. Yeah, it would kill. All right. Yeah, it would. It would definitely. Things would die and cease to exist. But, but uh, I am pitching uh, this idea. It's gonna happen one episode. I'm into it. Yeah, maybe the Valentine's Day special, the Bam oh. Valentino. Oh God, we have to do this. Oh, that's great. Oh, that man. is great. Well, okay. So before we get off the bowl, who do you like? What do you think the score is gonna be? Do you have an MVP pick? What are you thinking? All right, so we kind of touched on this last week. We have the Bengals versus the Rams. I think at the end of the day, the Rams are finally clicking. They're gelling. You and I talked about this a lot of times, that the Rams are the most talented team on paper. I always said that, yes, they are, but, you know, the the, the main issue that they have is that they um, – they're not a team just yet. They're a team full of superstars. We don't know how the egos are. Uh, so until they figure that out, they're not going to win. Clearly, they figured something out. Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't taken a picture on a yacht this week, so my pick is still with the Rams. I think that <laughs> the spread will be covered. So the, 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 the spread is what? Plus, minus four? Yeah, Rams minus four. Yeah, so I think it will be covered. I think we're good there. I think MVP-wise, I don't know why. I think it will be Odell Beckham Jr. I think he's just going to have an amazing game. I think he's going to go out there and just prove everyone wrong. Interesting. You know what's funny right now? Odell Beckham Jr., 16-1 to 1 to be the Super Bowl MVP. You can get some really great odds. We want to sprinkle a little Betsky down on that. My pick for MVP, and I, I, I agree with your general take on the game. I think the Rams are going to win. The Rams are going to cover. It will still be close. A game can still be close and within, you know, four or five points. I'm thinking like Rams 35, Bengals 30, 28-30-ish, you know, and it's going to be like within eight points, but the Rams will cover the number. I think that the, the key to the game is going to be the fact that Cincinnati cannot protect their quarterback, Aaron Donald, for MVP. He's going to win that ring, punch his ticket to the Hall of Fame with a Super Bowl MVP, and he is 18-1. to 1. It's tough for a defensive lineman to yeah. win Super Bowl MVP, but if this man gets a couple sacks and really does what he can do, I think it, it's definitely possible. So I like Aaron Donald to win the uh, MVP of the Super Bowl, and we both are on the Rams, buddy. Yep, and that's the thing, right? Like, I think that the... You know, you can only go so far with a shitty O-line, right? And, and and the Bengals, in my opinion, have far surpassed how where they should be. 
You should not yeah. be here. Can you imagine? Like, how many times did Marino get his ass kicked because his O-line just sucked, right? And we're talking Dan oh, Marino. Absolutely, man. But you know what's funny? Joe Burrow, second season in the Super Bowl, just like Dan Marino. And Marino never got back. So all of us were ready to crown Cincinnati as the next big dynasty. But Marino never got back. We'll, like these uh, These opportunities are not promised. Hey, or the Bengals can be the next Bills, you know, 0-4. Oof, oof, oof. I don't know if we'll ever see that one again. Oh, like, I, just, I never straight. want to because I love, just love the fact that I can shit on any Bills fan just for that. <laughs> uh, that is that is pretty painful. It's the dynasty that can never be called the dynasty because they did make four straight Super Bowls. Like, that is crazy. They won the AFC four years in a row, but they have nothing to show for it. Yeah, and, the, like, realistically, that first, uh, the first time they made it against Washington, 1990, I believe it was, that was the one that they should have fucking won. Yes. Yeah, definitely, and uh, yeah, that one, that one hurts. That was the one that you're gonna look back on. Fun fact: uh, with that was the first red. like football game I remember watching. Oh, nice! The first football game that I really like remember watching was Marino's last game, where he got smashed like sixty-three to seven or whatever it was yeah. versus Jacksonville in the playoffs. That's like the first one that I really like was into football and I got it. And I remember, I'm sure I, you know, I knew enough to know Marino and be a fan of the dolphins, but that was, yeah, that one sticks in my mind is like a turning point. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, I had an older brother, right? So I always stuck with him and that's why like nice. my yeah. sports viewing is like just so like where it, where it is is because I've been watching sports since I can literally remember. Some of my first memories are sports. Some of my first memories are actually wrestling. So, you know, Man, it's so funny. Same and older cousins with me, not an older brother. But yeah, man, same same thing. And that's why I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan because I followed my cousin towards the Habs. And let's quickly, while we're talking about the Habs, talk about Martin Saint Louis, the new coach in Montreal. So that's not really surprising. The Habs are are literally having the worst season they've ever had in a hundred plus years of hockey. That's embarrassing. And I don't know. You could argue that it's not Ducharme's fault. I uh. I am not a fan of the old Montreal coach, Dominique Ducharme. God bless him. He seems like a nice guy. I know the, the smack daddies he used to coach out east, and the smack daddies are big fans of his work. But, yeah, I think uh, – I don't know. I, I don't think he was suited for the NHL, and I think the record kind of proved that. I'm excited to see St. Louis get a chance. He seems like he's going to let the players play. It's gonna He's going to open up the ice a little bit and just kind of let – let them cook. Let the chefs cook in the kitchen. He's, it's going to be a way different brand of hockey, wide open, fast paced kind of hockey. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and something that really stood out, as basic as this statement was, it really stood out for me in terms of just buying into a system. I'm pretty sure he has no fucking idea what he's doing right now in terms of what to do with the team. Um, yeah. You know, so th that's why I kind of hate sometimes how the reporters like just hound the guy. He's like he ha he probably hasn't even talked to his team in person yet, right? Like, so one of the, the statements that he said today or yesterday, it was like, you know, w what do you want to do with this team? And his answer was quite simple, and I can't quote the exact quote, but to summarize, he essentially said, "We're just gonna bring back fun to hockey." 
Yeah, absolutely. Another thing he said that is that he wants players to have the freedom to make reads and to kind of react on the fly. And it was kind of backhandedly saying that the previous coach had them locked in a defensive system and that defensive system clearly was no longer working. So if you're going to get blown out anyway, you might as well open it up and try to have fun with it because you're if you're in a defensive shell and you're losing 7-1 to the New Jersey Devils, something is drastically wrong. So you might as well lose 7-5 to the New Jersey Devils, you know? Yep, exactly. That's exactly it. So, you know, and, and at this point, how much worse can he honestly be than they already are, right? So let's Literally, see what you can can't, do. Can't get worse, Boris. They're having the worst season they've ever had, ever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's tough, right? But you know what? I'm not a huge Montreal fan. Not because I live in Toronto, but because of 1993 when Wayne Gretzker was screwed out of uh, a Stanley Cup, when <laughs> Doug Gilmore skated right into Wayne Gretzky's uh, stick <laughs> and somehow, I don't know how, ended up bleeding all over the ice, which gave the Kings the win in Game 6. And then we went on to win Game 7, got screwed by Montreal. You know, I just love bringing that up, right? Like, I get so much hate every time I say that. It was, it was, uh, puck don't lie, buddy. It was hockey poetry. The uh, hockey gods took away Toronto's, uh, Toronto's Stanley Cup final appearance, and then they they gave it right back to Montreal with the Marty McSorley stick situation. They uh, they, they you know the Los Angeles Kings got a free one, and then they got absolutely boned with one as well. You know, I never forgave McSorley after that, and when he, oh, yeah. you know, did stupid stuff later in his career, I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck you, eat it. <laughs> Oh, man. My favorite single episode of a podcast ever, and I can't find it anymore. I had it saved on an old phone, but uh, it was it was done by uh, Roger Sportsnet, and it was it was like a one-hour, maybe 90-minute audio documentary about the 1993 Habs and the, the Stanley Cup run, and it's so fabulous. I wish I could find it again, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they go in-depth with all these interviews, go behind the scenes. My favorite story of the whole thing was in the Stanley Cup final. They kind of got shelled Montreal the first couple games, and Guy Carboneau went to the coach and said, I want Gretzky. I want to cover Gretzky. I need, like, if we're going to win this series, I need to be on this guy. And uh, lo and behold, they stepped up. Crazy, crazy Stanley Cup final. Yeah, no, it was a good, yeah, it, it was a good finals. It really honestly was, and it's crazy to think, man, that this is 29 years ago and that was the last yeah. time a Canadian team won it. Yeah, man, pretty sad, and it might not happen this year unless the Leafs can spark yeah, up. Or actually Calgary, won. Calgary's got a pretty good team. They might be the best shot to win it. Tonight's game is actually going to be if this it's Thursday. If you're listening to this Thursday, it's tonight. If you're not, well, sorry, and you know the result of this game. But tonight's Leaf game is going to be very interesting because they are facing Calgary. I'm I'm interested to kind of see how they measure up against them. Yeah, winner is the official world champion of Canada. Yeah, that's exactly. how world titles work. <laughs> Smash wrestling champion. <laughs> <laughs> and no one's got it right now, right? It's okay. Yeah. Oh, might be the end. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's not uh, go there. Uh, uh, while we're still on sports, we got to talk, Boris. We got to talk about the blockbusters in the NBA. Chiefly, James Harden traded to the 76ers. Ben Simmons going back the other way. Yeah, dude, that is crazy. Absolutely crazy. But for me, I thought you were going to talk about the biggest blockbuster of them all and that's douchebag dragic leaving to fucking <laughs> san antonio we'll talk about that in a second let's talk about james harden first dude it's crazy um 
I knew I had a feeling it was going to happen, honestly. Like, that trade made sense. But I thought it was going to be a more, like, one-to-one trade. Kind of seeing the details. Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Man. (laughs) Like, both teams gave up quite a bit. Do you have the the, the details in front of you? I agree. And yes, I do. Yeah. A good job by Brooklyn to get this much from James Harden, who quietly kind of asked for a trade. Philadelphia receives James Harden and Paul Millsap, who still has a little bit in the tank. Brooklyn receives Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, the inferior Curry, but still pretty good. A solid diet Coke to Steph Curry's Coca-Cola. Andre Drummond, a 2022 first round pick unprotected. So that's this year's pick unprotected and a 2027 first round pick, which does have protection details on it. Man, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Uh, Yeah, crazy. So yeah. At the end of the day, everyone's happy, right? Everyone is happy. Everyone is content. Ben Simmons is out of Philadelphia. Um, Did did we did I say that he was going to be traded at the trade deadline? I think you did. Yeah, I think you did say like he's not going to play all season and he will get dealt at the deadline and then we'll see what happens from there. You did actually, I think, predict that exact scenario on our NBA predictions pod. Man, yeah, no. So, you know what? We'll see what happens. I honestly think that Ben Simmons has so much left in the tank that this deal is going to 1 million percent. I hate saying that. 100 percent benefit (laughs) Brooklyn at the end of the day. Dude, have you seen this new... uh, trade. I don't know if it's happened, but the Wizards are looking to acquire uh, Przingis for Spencer oh. Dinwiddie. Interesting. Yeah, the trade deadline is officially passed as we record this. It is 3.01 p.m. Eastern, but it's just like uh, in any other sport, there are still deals that might have been made before the official uh 3 o'clock deadline that have not yet been called into the NBA. So that would be very interesting. Porzingis out. Oof, oof, oof. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie would pair pair pretty well with Luca, though. I don't mind that. As for this Philly trade, just put a bow on this. So yeah, Harden, the big three in uh, in Brooklyn, the Harden, Durant, Kyrie, big three. Check this out, Boris. Two seasons, sixteen games played. Sixteen. Yep. In those games, they were thirteen and three, so they were pretty damn good. And let's not forget that if Kevin Durant's foot was not on the line last year, the Nets would have made the final and they could have won the title easily with this big three last year. Had it not been for Kevin Durant's little toe being on the line, sending a game into overtime. Yep, exactly. Man, it's crazy. But a person that has played less time in their current team that got dealt today, that is Dragic. He came during the Laurie trade instantly. Got heat here in Toronto. Instantly got tons of heat because of some stupid comments that he said. Were they taken out of context? I don't know. Personally, you should be a lot smarter when you're being introduced to a new city, especially Toronto. Toronto tends to have like this weird complex, um, you know, about like about people talking shit about the city, especially when it comes to the NBA. It's it, it's kind of funny, uh, but yeah, this man only played 18 minutes for Toronto, five games. Wow. Um, and he's out. So Toronto Raptors traded guard Goran Dragic to the San Antonio Spurs. Fucking love that of all teams uh, for uh, Taddeus Young and Drew Eubanks and a bun- and a couple draft picks, unprotected so, draft picks. Yeah, it's pretty. Unfortunately, the the Raptors had to throw in a first round pick, protected this year to get rid of Dragic, which kind of hurts. I almost 
would prefer would have preferred them to just keep them and buy them out. But uh, it's okay. They got Thad Young. They got Drew Eubanks. Neither of those guys are superstars, but I think they could be rotation pieces on on the on the Raptors. And realistically, Boris, they got Detroit's second round pick, which could be pick number thirty one. You know what I mean? That yeah. could be the best pick in the second round. So they really only traded down like ten spots by losing this first round pick. It's not that big a deal, but it still sucks to have to trade a first round pick to get rid of this guy who never really wanted to be there anyway. It's 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 a rare moment where you're like, ah, shit, the, the Raptors kind of lost this one. But, you know, still have all the faith in the world in Masai, and at least they got something to add to the rotation for the playoffs. And again, like, the second-round pick is probably going to be, like, 10 to 15 max away from the pick they traded. So it's not it's not all bad. Detroit's second-round pick is the best second-round pick you can have. Yeah, exactly. Um Yeah, so that's the thing, right? And I wanted to highlight that about our that second round pick, right? It's like we probably have the 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 lesser cream of the crop, as the Macho Man would say. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know the the Raptors are an interesting team. So some of the things I like, you know, Twitter sometimes is is toxic as all hell. It's more toxic than most of my relationships. Um, but talk like. <laughs> I, I love that. I just love that. It's like just just move on. Anyways, so you <laughs> yes. know, uh, yeah. So the Raptors right now, huge. I think seven game win streak, playing fairly well, moving up the rankings uh, in in the East in a very crowded East. And people were like, why would the Raptors trade you know Dragic right now? I was like, he only played eighteen minutes. He was not part of the core team. And I believe that the parts that we got back from this trade, like you said, are going to be very good bench pieces, very good rotational pieces that are actually going to add tons of depth, which is something that the Raptors haven't had in a few years. Basically, yeah. since we went on that championship run in 2019, we haven't had that, you know, for, for years and years and years and years and years. The Raptors were just known to having some of the best benches in the league, but we haven't had exactly. that. So I think exactly this trade right, benefits man. that. Yeah, we needed to build up the depth, and we got a couple uh, depth pieces for sure. Uh, yeah, so I 100% I, yeah, agree with that, buddy. The uh, the Mavericks-Washington trade is official. Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans to the Wizards for Kristaps Porzingis and a second-round pick. Sorry, I had that backwards. Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans from the Wizards to the Mavericks and Zingis going to Washington. Question for you, Matt. Uh, Przingis, you know, everyone was crowning this guy, the Brock Lesnar, the next big thing of basketball for a couple years while he was in New York. This is now his third team in about three years. What's going on with him? Well, it's it's like tempting to call him a bust because he didn't reach the insane expectations that we had when we saw this guy and, and we were like, wow, he's seven three, seven four, and he can shoot like that. Like, uh-oh, this could be like this guy could break basketball and he didn't quite break basketball. He's never even been the best player on a, on a really good team. He was, he's kind of been disappointing with Luca and Dallas, uh, but he is averaging 19 and 7.7 rebounds. So he's like very productive. He's not terrible. The only problem is he's seven, three and he's not really good defensively. Like when you draft a guy that big, you expect to get some pretty badass rim protection. And he's just, he never really turned out to be the player we wanted him to be, but he's still very good. He's still a very good player. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing, right? Like I, I, I agree with you. I think he's still a very good player. Is he a franchise player? No, but I think he's still a super important piece on a team that wants to win. Um, and I think that just sometimes the change of scenery is good. Yeah. 
Uh, One million percent agree with that. I know you hate when I say it, so I'm going to say it twice or three times per podcast. Uh, Looks like the Spurs are buying out our boy Goran Dragic. (laughs) There you go. Wow. So he's he might sign with like a Dallas or God forbid your boys, the Lakers somewhere, (laughs) somewhere. I don't even care about the Lakers right now. Honestly, what did I say? Everyone was like, oh, this is a number one or two team in the West. No, man. No, not at all. They will squeak into the playoffs, but this team is a playoff team, so I can see them making at least a conference finals. That was my prediction back in October when we did our predictions, and I still maintain that this team will make the conference finals because they are a playoff team, but they old. They old. Yeah. They old indeed, yeah, and, and it is not working out with Russ. He is not getting along with uh, with Anthony Davis and, of course, Big Bron. Well, you know, when your GM plays for you, it's always difficult. <laughs> indeed. Uh, okay, yes. Uh, before we move on, two, two other huge deals to talk about. Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday to the Sacramento Kings. The Pacers receive hot young rookie Tyrese Halliburton, second round, second year player, sorry. Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson, Canadian. So the internet was pretty abuzz, pretty upset with Sacramento for trading Halliburton. Yeah, like... Sacramento isn't that good to begin with, and somehow they've gotten worse after this trade, in my opinion. Yeah, I can see that. I feel really bad for Sabonis going from the Pacers to one of the only situations in the NBA that are worse than than Indiana, which is Sacramento. Like, if he wasn't leading Indiana to the playoffs, he's not going to lead Sacramento to the playoffs. I feel bad for him. He's like the second or third guy. He's like a Porzingis, you know what I mean? He can't be the top banana, as it were. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's unfortunate sometimes. It really is. Like, but especially like when, man, can you imagine thinking, well, who knows what was going on at the end of the day, but being in a team like the Pacers, you know, not the best, not the worst, will probably make the playoffs, yada, 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 and then being dealt to the fucking Kings. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I guess the Kings were thinking like they were crowded at point guard because Tyrese Halliburton is a point guard and they have De'Aaron Fox, who I really like. I think De'Aaron Fox is is underrated and he gets unfairly he gets unfairly kind of shit on. But I mean, Tyrese Halliburton was kind of stealing his spot a little bit. And you could argue they traded the wrong guy as much as I do love Fox. But yeah, so that's a very interesting trade. The Kings keep doing arguably some very dumb things. And we also saw finally Portland break up the Splash Brothers North. Boris CJ McCollum traded to the Pelicans along with Zion. And uh, they have have some interesting pieces in New Orleans now. But yeah, so the, the actual trade there was... Portland Trailblazers receive Josh Hart, Thomas Sadaransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, D.D. Uh, Luzada, who actually I kind of liked as a sneaky late-round draft pick not too long ago, and uh, 2022 first-round pick. And, yeah, the Pelicans receive C.J. McCollum and Larry Nance Jr., who's also very, very good. Yeah. Man, the Pelicans, that's an interesting move. Like, now, if only Zion can be healthy, and I mean that in every way possible, Yeah, right? Like, that's the key right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you heard Wrestling Observer Radio, but Meltzer was talking about how how bad Keith Lee needs to lose weight if he wants to basically stay at the top level. It's kind of how 
I, I we're both husky gentlemen. I hope we're not sounding too uh, hypocritical here, but we're also not professional athletes, Boris. And I think like if Zion Williamson wants to stay at the tippy top, he's got to kind of lose some weight. Like there have been no pictures of Zion since probably the season started. Like it's, it's harder to find, you know, the Loch Ness monster kind of blah, blah, blah. You, that joke has been made a thousand times. I don't even want to complete it, but yeah, here, 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 here's one for you. It's harder to find Boris happy in a relationship than Zion picture. <laughs> I think we might need to have a talk, buddy. <laughs> You're all right. You need a hug friend. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, two chunky guys telling Zion Williamson to lose weight. That's what we're doing on the BAM podcast. <laughs> Again, we're not professional athletes, nor do I pretend to be one. And I'm not saying, fuck you, Zion, you're terrible. I'm just saying, I think we can probably all agree that if you're 350 pounds and you're not Shaquille O'Neal, you're probably not going to do so well in the NBA. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's good luck to him, man, honestly. What else do we got on the sports side? Uh, well, I mean, while we're here, do you care about the Olympics at all? Have you watched it? What's your thoughts on the Olympics? Honestly, so here's the thing about the Olympics. Like, the Olympics are the Olympics. I feel bad for the athletes that a, a greedy corporation like the IOC makes all of the decisions on where they get to actually perform and do their stuff. So I want to support the athletes. I care about the athletes, but there's just so much other things going on this year that I can't really put my attention on the Olympics. Yeah, I get updates, but have I sat down and watched it? Man, I watched the Summer Olympics a ton this past year. Like, a ton. I was watching softball, for Christ's sake. Softball. (laughs) Like, I never watch softball. But I was was sitting down watching softball, for Christ's sake. But, like, I, I just can't for the life of me care um and, and like i just i i just don't and i i feel yeah. bad because you know these amateur athletes this is the one time every four years that they get to shine and because of the world the world situation the domestic situation out in china other stuff going on they're just not getting the love and respect so kudos to all the athletes but i just the ioc is a piece of shit company what's worse <laughs> ioc NFL or WWE? Oh, that's tough. That's a, that's yeah. There's almost it, you need a, a that's a three hour podcast right there, buddy. I think each one needs fifty. What's minutes that game? Some ad um 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 uh love marriage fuck. <laughs> fuck Mary kill. Fuck Mary kill. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> WWE. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> IOC. Well, I think I think NFL. as wrestling fans, I think as wrestling fans, we've been married to WWE since we started watching. So that's a no brainer. I think we fuck NFL and we kill the Olympics. I think that's what <laughs> happens, Boris. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You see, we, oh, you yeah. can send in questions like that on our version <laughs> of the Delilah show for next week's show as Boris uh, and Matt take it to relationships. That, that is absurd. That is absurd. Life advice with Ryan Rosillo with Boris and Matt. But yeah, I so really, man, do- I really wish people could see the cat like us on camera sometimes because but sometimes that's half of the show for me. We, we got to we got to start throwing bam on YouTube at least. But uh, yeah, so right now Germany has the most gold, six gold medals. Uh, Austria has the most medals, thirteen. Canada has twelve medals, only one gold, four silver, seven bronze at this moment. And yeah, I've watched like just a tiny tiny bit 
of the Olympics. I watched a little bit of that Canada USA hockey game and then passed out. And I think that's basically it. I've seen like certain people skiing here and there, but not, you know, I haven't sat down and watched anything for more than like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but here we are, right? Yeah, man. I do think, yeah, sad. The last couple Olympics have probably been the least I've been interested in the Olympics, but that's, that's because of COVID plain and simple full stop. And hopefully the next one, uh, it'll be a distant memory. Yep. I hope so. hundred percent. Like it's really something that I want to not even worry about, but like, you know, like, yeah, the Olympics, like, again, I feel so bad for the athletes. Yeah, exactly. I, and even like the, even the NHL players who have missed out on this Olympics. Yeah. It just, it, it's, it doesn't quite feel the same, but whatever it is, what it is. I'm sure the people who win are are still plenty happy and proud. Yeah, in terms of, like, the hockey players, like, people say they're hockey players are professionals, but sometimes people forget, like, these guys want to represent their countries, right? Like, you know who I feel very sorry for? Who's that? The Roxy of professional hockey, Connor McDavid. <laughs> well done. Yeah, I do feel bad, but Connor McDavid will be okay. You know what I mean? Who I feel worse for is someone like Victor Hedman or... I don't know, like a Nick Backstrom, even Ovechkin, like the older guys who even the, even if you have been there already and are not going to be able to go back. But someone like Victor Hedman, who is probably not ever going to go and he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's an incredible, incredible player, you know, and, and he just missed his window due to the fact that the last couple Olympics haven't been attended by NHL players. Yeah. So I did bring up, and, and I hate jumping like this, but I just want to get your reaction real quick. I did bring up the Roxy of professional hockey, and did you see that the Oilers fired their coach? Yes, they did. Yeah, I did see that, and that makes a lot of sense. Kind of news dump buried that one during an NBA trade deadline while the biggest trade uh, of the year broke out there. Kind of were like, oh, yeah, we fired our coach, by the way. But, yeah, no, I, I like that. I think it had to be done, and hopefully the new coach – takes a little bit out of the Marty St. Louis playbook and just opens it up. Or or so he says anyway, you know, we haven't seen the Marty St. Louis led Montreal Canadiens, but I do think Edmonton's got to be the team that wins seven, five. Look at, look at the firepower on the team. Look at the goaltending on the team. Yeah, Love you. the Oilers around here, but, uh, ooh. yeah, exactly. All right, man. What else do we got? Well, I think that's going to cover it for sports talk. I think we got it all in, unless you just want to talk about the no news in baseball. We basically covered every other sport. Well, that's the thing. No news typically is good news. But if you remember, there is a lockout and things are starting to get a little worrisome. That's basically yeah. where we're at. Apparently, both sides are super far away. And the MLB has like like it just it's it's a shit show right now where the owners seem to be on an island of their own and everyone else is telling the owners to smarten up. And they're they're running the risk of really hurting the sport again. Like man, the baseball was really hurt by the 1994 uh, strike, obviously, but they had they had McGuire and Sosa save the sport of baseball. There's not going to be something to save the sport this time. Well, one of the things that – so two things I want to talk about there is, you know, and this is why I'm convinced that the entire league turned around and said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I, what I, what I, you know, what I don't see isn't actually happening because you know that the biggest story of 1997 to 1999 was McGuire and Sosa, you know, uh, in 98 especially when the, the record was finally broken, yep. right? 
the Roger Maris record was finally broken, 98. That was huge for the MLB. That's what got MLB back on front page stories uh, throughout newspapers in the state. But you knew that the MLB knew that there were PEDs, PEDs involved. You fucking know. Yeah, of course they did. Just like they know that the balls are juiced now, just like all that stuff, man. But yeah, I turned... I turned 10 years old, summer of 1997, turned 11, summer of 98, and turned 12, summer of 99, as aging works, Boris. And let me tell you, those summers were extremely important for me. And I was a huge baseball fan. I, I played it all the time. We played it in my backyard, which was very small, with like a little wiffle ball bat and a, a sock taped up sometimes. Like, we were we were having fun with it, man. Like, it was it was an exciting time to be a kid. Like, that's, that's steroid fueled home run chase. I'll actually always remember it and always kind of cherish it. Like, but at the same time there, Mark McGuire ain't walking through that door. Sammy Sosa ain't walking through that door, buddy. They better not put themselves in a position to need another one of those. Cause it's not coming. It's not coming. And I don't know if you noticed this, or you saw this news story, but apparently MLB right now is not testing for PEDs. Some sort of agreement has been expired and it doesn't look like they're actually going to renew it. So I don't know. I want to dig a little deeper before you really talk into this. So we'll put a you know we'll, we'll put a pin on that subject, but I kind of want to do a little a little deep dive into what this yeah. actually means. Let's do that. Maybe we'll do a Valentine's Day and steroids relationship talk and roid rage next week on the Bam Show. Into but, the uh, heart, yeah. up the ass. That's what we're gonna do next week. <laughs> Good heavens. Um, so yeah, so uh, yeah, Memorial Day, May thirtieth, Monday, May thirtieth, two thousand twenty-two. Let's set that at the over/under. Do we get a baseball game before Memorial Day? Do we get an actual season starting on time? I'm no. starting to think no, no, no. I think look, camps are set to open and we're set to open in a few weeks. At least pitchers and catchers, dude. These guys are probably still eating bonbons on the couch. You have heard zero about progress you have heard zero about pitchers and catchers getting ready you have heard zero about everything because i think that the sides are just that far away and people have been instructed don't do anything my guess is that they don't play a single inning of baseball before memorial day i think we're gonna miss at least a month or two of this season buddy i'm afraid to say it but i think that's coming yep i agree with you Alrighty, so I think that's good for sports talk. We covered basically everything we possibly could have in about 40 minutes. That's 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 nice, you know, wrapped it up in a neat little bow. Let's talk some wrestling. Do you want to uh, do the Impact review? Are you still watching this Impact Wrestling show? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And I got to say that this week's show was probably the, 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 the weakest since we have gotten back to it, but it's still far from not being good, right? Like, it's still a good show. Straight but, up, straight up. Would you rather watch Impact or 2.0? 2.0. I think nice. Two, okay. There's there's there is something endearing about 2.0. I don't know what it is. And if you've noticed on the on the SNME Facebook group, which you should join if you aren't part of it, um, you know, I think some people are enjoying it. I think you know, I think people are understanding what it is. Yeah, exactly. And if you want, if you want like indie. If you want the super indie with the best independent wrestlers having excellent matches against each other, watch AEW because that's basically what AEW is. For now. For now. Yeah. Watch. Yeah. You know, you, you like this isn't going to last forever, right? Like, like I'm, I, I will eat my words. 
if you know they 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 have this open door policy for a much like when I say much longer, I mean years, right? But it's this isn't going to last forever. Uh, you're right, but. Uh, something that people don't really talk about too much about AEW, and I don't want to do too long on AEW, but just one big picture idea. A lot of AEW's main eventers bars are old, quote unquote, at least for athletes. Punk, Danielson, Omega, Jericho, all are done in three to five years, I think. And they haven't done a great job of creating new stars. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be in a very interesting position, right? Like, And that's why like, I... I shit talk AEW, not because it's a shitty company, but they're making classic WWE mistakes right now. Uh they there are some they're like, not okay, like, like the opening promo of not last like week's copying, show was pretty Monday Night Raw. Yeah, they're not copying TNA, right? Or and, and, and WWE. And I say I say TNA just because it's like they just didn't ne- never plan for the future. But yes. you know, I feel like AEW was on a path to completely be its own entity. And as free agency and releases from WWE happened, they jumped on this opportunity. Kudos to them. Brings attention to the show. But because the roster is so bloated, they just haven't been able to focus enough on building new stars. Everyone wants to say long-term booking. I haven't seen this long-term booking in a while. I want to see that back. Uh, we're not doing the AEW review, so let's just leave it at that. I could argue that, but I'll just, I'll tip my cap to that point, Boris, and say, you know what? That's, that's maybe, that's maybe fair. Um, now my friend, I'm going to go get a refill. You start talking about this impact show because I didn't watch it. And part of it was a little bit of a protest. Like call me a, call me an Ottawa trucker, Boris. Cause I'm fucking pissed off and honking. I'll tell you that. But, uh, I hate intergender wrestling with all of my heart. And I saw that the big, one of the big polls for this show was Zack Ryder versus, uh, Jordan grace. So I didn't watch a big part of the reason why I didn't watch is because I don't want to see that match. You I don't ever want to see a man fight a woman. I'll, I'll, I'll be hundred percent honest with you. I fast forwarded through that match for the most part. I stopped here and there, but I fast forwarded through that match. It was the opener and that was it. But you know, we gave impact a little bit of credit. Uh, last week or the week before because they, the way that they handled some intergender matches like the Caleb with a K um, match uh, against uh, the, the the Iconics, um, you know, that was done well. Yeah. This match was a straight-up fight, and maybe it's because you want to push Jordan Grace as a serious wrestler. She can hang with both sides. She's like a China-type character, right? But to me, this just this match just didn't work. I'm sorry. This match went way too long. It should have lasted ten seconds. Should have lasted maybe ten five minutes. But it lasted a lot not a lot longer, but it lasted longer than it should have. Um Matt Cardona essentially goes heel, uses a chair, cheats to win. So it's like I don't know if they're trying to make Jordan Grace look strong, but in my eyes, Cardona looks like a geek because he can't beat up a chick. Yeah, absolutely. And just the whole thing. Uh, he, he hits a woman with a chair and just like, ah, whatever. It's pro wrestling. It's fake. They agree to it. I understand. But I just don't want to sit there and watch it. And more than that, support it by like talking about it on the podcast. You know what I mean? So I knew we were going to talk impact and that's fine. Like I'm not mad about it or anything, but I just wanted to get that little silent protest in there. I didn't watch it. And a big part of why I didn't watch this week was because that was the basically the, the big poll of the show. 
So yeah, so that was the match, essentially in a nutshell. Your winner, new digital media champion, Matt Cardona, you and heel. That's the major takeaway. I'm going to have to give this one one TNA out of five just because, you know, you know why. We talked about yeah. it already. One singular shark boy out of five. All right, so the the show actually started with Morrissey Hunt, and he wants Moose, he wants Moose, but he's actually, no, he doesn't want Moose. He's actually looking uh, for members of the learning tree. So, okay, announcers after this match said that there was something going on in the back. Morrissey was hunting down the learning tree. He beat up uh, Myers' uh, a henchman, and then he saw Myers, uh, Zicky Dice, and VSK in a hallway. Okay, so, Matt, question. When it comes to backstage segments are you a fan of the more lucha underground cinematic type or do you kind of like the more uh tmz kind of aew ww way of doing stuff sorry about that i just went to the impact wrestling website for a second um boris to answer your question i definitely prefer like the the traditional kind of feel like the backstage like the you know what i mean like you said the tmz style presentation i like that way more although if you do the lucha thing right if you actually do like put karen and put time into figuring out like some kind of internal logic like lucha underground did it is pretty solid i feel like tna doesn't do that impact doesn't really have that that through line of logic in their presentation yeah they don't um the camera cuts are really weird uh, it doesn't look right. Yeah, they have weird, awkward background music, and they're treating it like this is live and actually happening. So, like, the logic of it all just doesn't fit for me. If this was a standalone segment, you know, I'm fine. But treating this like it's actually happening right now, it's kind of like, you know, how stupid are we, right? Uh, unlike unlike me actually playing music live on the podcast right now, which I just did. Sorry about that again. Please go on. <laughs> no, it's fine. It didn't, I, it didn't pick anything up, so it's all good. All right, so, yeah, W. Morris, he uh, goes over MS, uh, VSK. He went through. He goes through Dice. Now he's after Myers, but a security guard's blocked his path. Um, we see Scott Damore, and he's trying to calm Morrissey down. He said Morrissey would get the chance to take on Myers in a no-DQ match next week, so tomorrow or tonight on Impact TV. Morrissey then said that he would go find Moose. Damore reminded him that he is getting a title shot against Moose at No Surrender on February 19th, and he told him not to tear up the backstage area because Moose was at his hotel and not even in the building. Morrissey, um, now knowing where he is, he was satisfied and left. So that was uh, that was it. I gotta say, I am still digging at how Impact is booking W. Morrissey, and the Impact seems to really understand how to book the big guys, which is so weird because WWE, a company who prides itself on big guys, just can't book them for shit anymore. Uh, it's very strange, but yeah, they, I I don't love. Uh, w Morrissey, obviously, no, he's no one's favorite wrestler. But if you watch an Impact, you you're starting to pull for this guy. You're starting to like him, and they're doing a fabulous job with W Morrissey. Yep. All right. Match number two was Jonah versus Crazy Steve with Black Taurus and Rosemary out in the back. So basically. Another nice squash. This wasn't Goldberg, uh, but style squash. But it was a pretty good squash. Um, he 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 basically he won with a with a big splash. Uh, Jonah was gonna hit another splash, but Black Taurus uh, kind of stood between Jonah and and uh, Crazy Steve, and Jonah just leaves the ring. But yeah, 
we'll we'll kind of see. I think the eventual match is going to end up being Black Taurus uh, with Jonah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Two big hosses bumping into each other at high speeds. Yeah, all right. So the fifth hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, Gia Miller, uh, she tried <laughs> chatting with Matt Cardona. He was leaving the uh, the building, and he Gia wanted an explanation for his actions against Jordan Grace in their match. He said, basically, he was like, just whatever of it. Um, and he's, uh, you know, Gia asked him how he thought his wife, Chelsea Green, would feel about his actions. And he kind of brushed it off, saying that, uh, Gia should ask Jordan's husband Jonathan Gresham how it feels to be married to a loser. Owned, pretty sizable, serious own. Yep. All right. Uh, Caleb with a K and Madison Rain were upset that they lost to the Inspiration last week. Madison said that when Tennille Dashwood comes back to action, they're going to end up winning the tag belts. The Inspiration came in with a present. They gave it to Caleb with a K. They told him not to open it right away, but he did as soon as they left. It was a phone with a picture of the inspiration as the wallpaper. Madison saw it and told him to change the picture. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, that's, uh, I don't know. Is that is that effective uh, mind game right there, Boris? I don't know. What other pictures are on the phone? <laughs> By God. Man, wrestling has turned all horny next- recently. What's going on? It is It is really uh, extremely thirsty lately. But yeah, find out what else was on that phone next week on an uh, adult-themed BAM. Exactly. <laughs> Relationship advice with BAM. <laughs> We're going to speak this gimmick into existence, aren't we? Oh, 100% it is going to happen. All right, the next match was Steve Macklin versus Jonathan Gresham in a regular wrestling match not pure rules all right so i've been praising steve macklin for a few weeks he kind of looked didn't look the best this time around uh even though he was facing jonathan gresham one thing i noticed about steve macklin was he's not and i'm the last person that should be saying this and matt is the last second to last person that should be agreeing with me as i say this and if he does and that is you know steve macklin he isn't the most athletic in the sense that of at some points Jonathan Gresham did like a hurricanrana. He did moves in which Macklin probably should have done a flip for, but he awkwardly just kind of stumbled around the ring. Interesting. Well, and I don't know. I don't know if that was the point because Gresham yeah. is you know baby Taz and and Macklin's a little bigger, but it just didn't look right. I I understand what you're saying, but I bet. I, and having not seen it, but it's just a guess that that was probably an artistic choice on his part because he was kind of trying to play the part of the big man. But maybe he just didn't want to take a somersault bump. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, Jonathan <laughs> Gresham wins, and the way that he won is that they did a – or so uh, Macklin is punching Gresham as Gresham is on the ropes. Macklin uh, ignores the referee's five count, and he gets DQ'd. Yes, sir. So, yeah, that's – uh. This Macklin, he sure is. He sure is a bad guy. Something of a heel. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna have to give this match. I'm gonna have to Mad Cat Moss this one at two and a half. Jerry Jarrett's out of five. I love it. Well done, buddy. Uh, right. So uh, when Gresham got to the top of the ramp, uh, Josh Alexander comes out. 
they kind of give each other this look, planting some seeds for a possible match, whether it be an impact or outside of impact, you never know. Uh, because impact has really turned into the playground for everyone, more so than any other promotion, in my opinion. It's very interesting how this kind of has played out, but it's working out for Impact, obviously. It, it's it's part of the reason why the show is good. Exactly. I'm enjoying it, right? Uh, so, match number four, Josh Alexander versus Honor No More's Vincent. This match was okay. Josh Alexander just continues to show why he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, period, right? It's just crazy how good this guy is, and just... Uh, there's a sense of pride knowing that we've been watching this guy wrestle for years on years. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, like he's our, he's our boy. He is our Toronto wall Hamilton boy. And uh, yeah, if he's getting a good match out of Vincent, he's doing something right. Yep. All right. So Vincent goes for a slice spread, but his ankle um, uh, gives out. Alexander grabs the ankle again, drops a knee on it, reapplies the ankle lock. Vincent has no choice but to tap out. So your winner was Josh Alexander. Before I rate this, it should be noted that some post-match stuff happened that I'll include in my match rating. So after the match... Kenny King from Ring of Honor shows up in the ring, blindsides Alexander, flattens him. Uh, he does a F5 backslam looking move. Um, and then the Impact crew ran to save as King and Honor No More kind of celebrated as they went up the ramp. So overall, I like this match. Uh, they're building this Honor No More storyline fairly well, considering that this is a mid-card invasion program, right? Like, I'm, I'm kind of digging that it's firmly placed in the mid card having kenny king former roh guy aligning himself with honor no more i like it i'm enjoying this i'm gonna have to give this uh three shark boys out of five <laughs> nice uh i have no retort buddy well said uh vincent holding it down yep pretty much all right, so Morrissey is shown walking down a hotel hallway. He got to a room, kicked the doorway in, or the door in. It was Moose's suite, and when Morrissey saw Moose, he immediately attacked. They brawled around the room into the kitchen. Morrissey shoved Moose's head in the freezer and slammed the door on Moose's head uh, many times before throwing him into the camera and killing the feed. So Morrissey's angry. Yeah, so Morrissey versus Moose is not in the top 100 matches I would want to see, uh, generally speaking. But they're doing such a good job with this build that I am now intrigued to see Big Cass versus Moose, Morris. I actually am I'm kind of pumped for this main event. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and just as a reminder, next week we're going to be previewing this show. I think we're going to have to bring in the one person or the th the other person who watches Impact Wrestling uh, to chat about <laughs> that. And we're talking about uh, Slam Wrestling's Bob Kapoor. Uh, yes, to preview No show. Surrender. To, yep. yeah, to preview Impact Wrestling No Surrender, which is on the same day as the Elimination Chamber, Saturday, February 19th. Yep. All right. Backstage, Honor No More. We're celebrating uh, their win and shenanigans. Or, sorry. They were celebrating their shenanigans, and they said that the battle doesn't matter. It's the war that matters, and who wins the war is people will remember, yada, yada, yada. Um, they said that when they win the match at No Surrender, they're going to be taking impact over. All right. Uh, pretty unique, a group coming into a wrestling territory to take it over. I'm not sure if I've seen that one before, buddy. <laughs> right <laughs> exactly um it, it, but if it works it works hey sometimes you gotta play the hits right 
Yeah, exactly. All right, so we're going to jump into the next match, which the next match was actually John Skyler versus Bupinder Gujar. This match, you know, Bupinder is trying to really get himself over now. Um, you know, he has the support of Raj Singh. Uh, this match was pretty straightforward. Bupinder ends up winning. After the match, Raj Singh comes down. He celebrates with Gujar, but Gujar kind of said F you, and he kind of left him in the ring, holding his proverbial penis in his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really went for it there. Proverbial <laughs> penis. Proverbial Please, penis. Proverbial, yes. All right. <laughs> Thank God. Please continue. Oh, uh, I, I, yeah. Anyways, so yeah, basic match. Gujar actually isn't too bad. I kind of liked him, and I kind of want to see where this Raj Singh storyline ends up going. Obviously, it seems like it's going to be going to a um to a match between the two. So I'm gonna have to Mendoza line this one. So this one is two and a half generation me's. Out of five. <laughs> nice. Uh, Max Buck and uh, Truck Buck. What was the other <laughs> Buck's name? I forget. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Good times, TNA, right? <laughs> oh, no. Not good times. Wait till we see, wait, we'll see if you're saying that in June when we start doing the 20 year look back. Um, I'm almost afraid of that. I'm almost afraid of that. <laughs> All right, so we are moving to the next uh, thing, which was they showed clips of the knockout champion, Mickey James, uh, from the Royal Rumble. They showed her entrance. They showed her elimination. Uh, the fifth hardest working reporter in all professional wrestling, Gia Miller, interviews Mickey James about the Rumble. Mickey says she was proud to represent Impact, but disappointed she didn't get the win in the match. Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans shows up. They kind of make fun of Mickey James losing. Um, uh, Mickey, uh, they also make fun of Mickey's, uh, speech from the week before, uh, things were about to blow up, but then Chelsea Green comes in to even the odds, Tasha Steele and Savannah left, Mickey thanked Green for having her back and being a real friend, you see, and in the spirit of that friendship, Mickey wanted to offer Green a match next week, she said it's not gonna be a title match, but, they're going to have a match. Nonetheless, they hug and the peasants rejoice. <laughs> the peasants rejoice. Yes. Mm, yes. Very good. Quite. <laughs> All right. So uh, we are going to the next thing, which was uh, we get a hype video, a hype video for the quintessential diva Giselle Shaw, uh, just like uh um, and anyways, match number six, Masha Slamovich right. versus Casey Lennox. I was thinking of something fun to say, but it just didn't make sense in my head. All right. So, again, Masha Slamovich is being pushed to the moon um, with, with legit squashes, very good squashes. Uh, she does a – her finishing move is called the Russian Death Device kind of funny name considering everything that's happening right now anyways um but it's essentially a snowplow uh so she ends up winning this match i really enjoyed how fa how fast this was how effective this was masha slamovich i think is going to do well in the knockouts division so i'm going to have to give this one three and a half alleys out oh. of five nice big rating from boris nice nice i love masha slamovich yeah this the snowplow the old northern lights bomb yep exactly all right, so uh, we're going to move on to 
Uh, let's see. Backstage, the fifth hardest working reporter in all professional wrestling is with Deanna Perrazzo. She asked Deanna why she walked out of Mickey James' impassionate speech from the week before. Perrazzo said that she didn't need to hear what Mickey had to say because Deanna is the knockouts division. She ran down her resume, including her two current championships, the Ring of Honor women's title and the AAA Reina de Reina's title, and said that next week she will make an open challenge to anyone who wants to compete for either title. Any idea who that's going to be? Have you read the spoilers yet? Do you know who's coming in? Nope, I haven't read that just yet. All right, well, let's, uh, you know, do you have any guesses? Oh, man. Um, no, I actually, I don't at all. Interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of someone who's, like, near the top of the card in, like, NWA, maybe. Per- We're probably not going to see Camille. She's too close to the top of the card. But, you know, we see a lot of Lady Frost in Impact, so I wonder if it's going to be someone in that Lady Frost range of wrestler. Perhaps maybe even a Molina. Yeah, I can see that. I can honestly see that. That would kind of be cool, right? Like, uh, I think that would be kind of fun. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, It would be cool. Like, might as well use the knockouts in your own roster. So, rather than bringing someone in, I kind of agree with you that it should be someone like a Lady Frost. Right on. All right, match number seven and the main event, the Bullet Club, Chris Bay, Switchblade, Jay White, and the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga, and Tangaloa versus Jake Something, Speedball, Mike Bailey, Ace Austin, and Madman Fulton. So this match was pretty fun. Uh, at one point, I actually really enjoyed this because if you remember last week, the Gorillas of Destiny kind of called out the Good Brothers. You know what the Gorillas of Destiny did in the middle of this match? They did a magic killer. Oh, 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 little uh, little seeds being planted. I love it. Yep. Um, this match was all right. It wasn't anything special. The Bullet Club ends up winning. Um, that was pretty much it. After the match, Violent by Design and the Good Brothers ran into the ring, attacked the Bullet Club, and there was just a brawl to end the overall show. I'm going to have to Mendoza line this one and give this match a two and a half Austin Creed's out of five. <laughs> nice, nice. Consequences Creed. I love it. So yeah, I gotta be honest with you, buddy. It didn't sound that great. I don't think I'm gonna watch next week, but I will certainly watch the pay-per-view and we'll have uh in two weeks we will have a review and next week we'll have a preview of that show. But I don't think I'm gonna watch Impact again. I think they I think they lost me a little bit here. Yeah, you know what? Just give it time. Just give it time. We'll see. We'll see what ha- what happens. You know, for me, it's all about the pay-per-view and what happens after the pay-per-view. What's going to happen with Honor No More? What's going to happen with the Bullet Club? Interesting note, Tamatonga on Twitter said that he is a free agent and has been since January the 30th. Interesting. That is, yeah, that is very interesting. And that's not too long ago, obviously. That's not even two weeks. So it'll be cool to see where he goes if he goes somewhere. Bring back <laughs> no um who knows where they'll end up honestly they they might just be happy at impact true i think tamatonga could actually do pretty damn well in wwe i think he could I, of all the companies of all the wrestlers who are free agents i think he that could be like a really good match i don't know if that's the kind of guy they're looking for but man i think tamatonga could actually be really good in wwe feuding with or like alongside maybe even roman reigns but i could see him versus roman yeah, I can see that. I can 100% see that. All right, man. So 
you know, oftentimes we talk about our rating system and, you know, ratings, like we've always said, wrestling is always, it's so subjective, Matt. It's the most, one of the most subjective things. It's, it's an art form and art is always subjective. That's honestly how I always put wrestling, you know. What I like might not be the same of what you like and vice versa. And what we like or don't like is for sure going to be different from what our listeners like and don't like. So it's always interesting when people talk about star ratings and how everyone attributes the quote-unquote official ratings to the Meltzer ratings. And then I'm in no way trying to say anything bad about Meltzer. Just like I think sometimes we put a lot of weight on what one person says, and it's always interesting. And what really sparked this was a tweet that I saw from Chris Van Vliet, and he was, and this is what the tweet said. He said, I was doing research for a recent interview and realized that TNA Impact has only ever had one five-star match ever. One, how is that possible? For comparison, AEW already had 13 five-star matches in the two and a half years since they started. Yeah, man. And like that gets into a whole other thing too because now Dave Meltzer, because we're talking about Dave Meltzer only, right? And now Meltzer has given matches six and seven stars. So basically you could argue that the scale is broken and and anything before Kenny Omega started getting six and seven stars needs to be treated as a separate rating system. Also, (laughs) yeah, no, you bring up a great point and I would just want to interject because you brought up that one specific point. And it's like, people need to remember that Melter essentially changed his own system. Any, hardly anything was five stars before, outside of all Japan and New Japan. But once he broke the system with Omega Okada, then, you know, like you said, it should, like, everything post-Okada Omega kind of needs its own new system. Yeah. And, like, okay, it seems that most people, actually, and namely Dave Meltzer, because we're talking about him, and we're not trying to insult Dave. I, I literally find it to be an honor when I show up on the main show and following Dave Meltzer. He is the Adam Schefter. He is the woge of this shit, this wrestling stuff. But, uh, yeah, so we only mention him because he is the preeminent wrestling reviewer out there. He's the king. He's the goat. But he, mat- he creates matches based on the moves, basically, based on the athletic feats that happen. He observes, you see what I did there, Boris, the combination of stunts performed in the ring, and he analyzes those feats like uh, like an Olympic gymnastics judge. You know what I mean? He gives He gives his grade based on the amount of wrestling moves done and the execution of them and the impact and the athleticism. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's how you get to the point where, because wrestling is more athletic and more shit is happening in every match. The, you'd think that these matches that are happening now are the best matches that have ever happened. Right. But that's not necessarily the case. That's not how I think about it. That's not, I don't think that's not how you think about it all the time to our mind here. And I don't want to speak for you, but tell me if I'm wrong. We look at everything, like the commentary of the match matters, the storyline used to build the match matters, not going too long, all that stuff, not doing too much, that stuff matters. Uh, The crowd reaction obviously matters a ton. We talk about our pillars all the time with the commentary and the production. So a match rating to us, I don't think is just about the amount of cool moves done. It's a combination of all these stuff, all these factors that produce this theater in front of our eyes, right? 
Exactly. That's exactly it. You put it so well, like, and I agree 100% with you. We take a look at the overall aspect of how we're watching the match. You know, at the end of the day, wrestling now is a TV show for the most part. So we kind of take that into consideration, you know, when we rate our matches. And the other thing, the other important thing is that, you know, the in-ring might tip the scale a little bit and be the most, like, one of the more important factors but we, I don't want to ignore everything else. I don't want to ignore the commentary. I don't want to ignore the camera angles. This is why I have a really hard time watching MLW right now. It's just because while the in-ring might be fantastic, there's just so much going against the in-ring that it just ends up bringing down my excitement of a show. Another thing is now we have this modern day where TV shows seem to be more important than pay-per-views, but yet they are relying on picture and picture and starting matches within picture and picture doing some interim segments on picture and picture you know so that to me regardless of whether i watch the picture and picture or not it does kind of it can affect my enjoyment of what i am watching absolutely yeah it, if you're trying to watch a wrestling match but someone is shouting a doritos ad in your in your ear it's gonna hurt your enjoyment of the match and yeah there are matches that are five stars based purely on genius level in-ring work rate and nothing else but there are all there are also five-star matches that get a boost for like the commentary and the everything else the whole shebang bang right i don't want to be the type of wrestling fan who just like looks at a wrestling match and goes well you know it would have been five stars but uh, this guy botched the 360 spinning canadian destroyer so it's only four and three quarter stars you know like that's that's not what wrestling's about to me uh, we were trying to have fun with it we're not trying to be judgmental even though we are quite literally being judgmental we are they're quite especially, literally judging wrestling. Especially if your name is Dana Brooke. <laughs> yeah, we could be pretty ruthless. So yeah, we since we talk about the scale so much, the uh the five whatever, five blanks, we thought we'd actually kind of go through it and kind of explain what our ratings mean. Just so Again, uh, not trying to insult Dave, but sometimes when you're like, oh, he gave this one five and three quarters and he gave this one like six and a half. Like, what does that really even mean? So here's what our ratings mean. Straight up, Boris. Let's start with the big one. Five stars, A plus, 100 out of 100. It's a GOAT contender. Examples would be Royal Rumble 1992, Flair Steamboat, probably the whole trilogy, Misawa Kawada, probably almost always, Misawa Kabashi, almost always, Hart versus Austin, Omega versus Okada at least once or twice. Most recently, probably Danielson versus Hangman Page, Danielson versus Omega. Five-star matches. Yep. Perfect agreed. wrestling. Uh, the rarest rating that we give, that I give here, is is four and three quarters, which to me is basically a perfect match with one slight flaw. So to me, the all-time example of this, Rock versus Austin, WrestleMania X7. An amazing, incredible match that ends in a heel turn that almost ruined the wrestling business forever. <laughs> Pretty <Yeah>. big flaw. <laughs> yep, agreed. Oh, man. Every time I think of that, it's funny because like I sometimes forget how that match ended. And then when I'm reminded, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why I forgot. <laughs> yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin shaking hands with the devil. And basically a lot of people just turned off their TV and never went back to pro wrestling after that one. Um, another example of four and three quarters would be an amazing match that we don't have all the tape of. 
Jerry Lawler versus Bill Dundee. Tons of amazing would be five star matches that I don't think you can call it five star if you never in your life have seen the actual full match, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so four and three quarters is something that either is perfect with an obvious flaw, so it's not perfect, or something that would have been five stars, but we don't have all of it. Yep, exactly. Four and a half stars, that's A plus 90 out of 100. This is inarguably a classic, inarguably great, but not on the short list of the best things you've ever seen. So let's say John Cena versus Umaga, Royal Rumble 07. Amazing wrestling match, but would you call it the best one you've ever seen? Probably not. No, I just I think it's a, it's a, it's a standout match of that show. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, four and a half. It's it's still a classic match. I I would put the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers cage match right here. Not one of the best things I've ever seen. Inarguably a classic. Yeah. All right, four and a quarter stars, Boris. That's an A, not an A plus, just an A. Eighty five out of a hundred. This is a match of the year. This is going to be on our list of one twenty two kind of match. Like if it gets four and a quarter, we're saying it's great. It's a safe A. So. Examples, a lot of PWG matches, basically about two to five NXT takeover matches per show before the 2.0 switch, lots of money in the bank matches, lots of Royal Rumble matches, WrestleMania. It's your classic great main event kind of match. Yep, exactly. Uh, four stars would be an A minus. So it's the same kind of thing, except again, you can kind of make that, uh, you kind of make that distinction. Maybe it's like, to me, a perfect example would be uh, last night, I thought that CM Punk and John Moxley versus FTR, four star match. That was an A minus. Do you know what I mean? That was that was a great wrestling match, but it was it was an A minus. I know exactly exactly what you mean, right? And and the thing is, yeah, we're we're I think we're being nitpicky to a certain extent when we, but you know we don't go above five, right? So when it comes especially to the four range, we try very hard to distinguish what is four versus four and a quarter, four and a half, four and three quarters, and five. Yeah, exactly. And we kind of got to split the pie. The closer we get to five, the more we're splitting the pie up. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so that bring, that's the four stars. Everything four and above is great. That's like, that's an A. So now we're into B. Three and a half is a B. It's 70 out of 100. Solid B. It's very good. Let's say lots of like, uh, lots of Chris Jericho in his older years in this three and a half range. Lots of dad bod Jericho in the three and a half star range. Yeah, exactly. Three stars, that's a C. 60 out of 100, slightly above average, slightly above that line. A good or maybe surprisingly fun or good match. We see this sometimes in 2.0. Most recently, Saray had a couple matches where we're like, you know, despite the fact that they're trying really hard to ruin this character with the Sailor Moon presentation, she's still so goddamn good. She got the crowd into it, and we, we, you can't call it average. It was slightly above average. Yeah. And it's hard, you know, for me, like for me, the hardest score to always give is, you know, two and a half to three and a half. Like those are the ones yeah. where I'm just like, hmm, where should this one go? Just because, you know, two and a half, especially since we deemed it the Mad Cat, the Mad Cat Moss line. You know, I really like it's that distinguishing factor of is this better than your average match? 
Yes, and that brings us to two and a half. That is average, 50 out of 100. It is the Mendoza line, the Mad Cat Moss line. Basically, most of Raw, most of SmackDown lives in this two and a half star range, Boris. Yep, there's exceptions, obviously. There's always that one match that I would always go up to like a three, three and a half. But for the most part, I think you're right. And it's, you know, and and, and the thing is, we're not trying to shit on raw but the issue is is like you know the, the raw as, as a show is just horrible um <laughs> yes you know but the in-ring is still half decent yeah exactly uh, absolutely so yeah so that is uh two and a half is is average it is on the line so anything below this we're now getting into fail territory so two stars 40 out of 100 slight fail bad but not without some level of effort it was bad match, good effort. That's our solid two-star. So if a two-star match were a failing student, Boris, and you were a teacher, you'd bump it up to 50% anyway, and you'd hope that it got its shit together next year. That, <laughs> that analogy probably doesn't make sense, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so yeah, examples of two-star matches. WWF hardcore title matches on a bad day. WWF 24-7 title matches on a good day. Or... <laughs> Also, lots of like lots of Madcap Moss, Baron Corbin in this 2.52 range. That's why we've named it the Madcap Moss line. Yep. All right. One star is is if if two stars is slightly below average, one star is muchly below average, extremely below average, bad but forgettable. If this match was a failing student and you were a teacher, you would just quit your job. Yep, you would exactly. just you would just fail it and hope you found a different job by by next September. Yep, you call it a day because you have failed. <laughs> yes, so longtime fans will note that this one to two star range is where uh, the WWF Women's Division was possessioned for five decades. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so that's. That's like, if you're one star, you're muchly below average. You could still, we have negative stars, Boris. I think we can, we could still do negative stars. It's very hard to distinguish like two and a half minus two and a half minus three and a half. So I only have two negative ratings. These are the, your choices. It's either minus one or minus five. Minus one star is worse than worthless. Awful, but yet so bad. It's kind of watchable. It's, it's in no way good. It's more like fascinatingly terrible. Yep. And to, to me, the all-time example of this is Mr. T versus Roddy Piper boxing match WrestleMania 2. Absolutely terrible, but yet morbidly fun. Mm -hmm. Lots of late career Roddy Piper in the minus one star range, actually. Um, minus five stars. An affront to the sport, uh, in quotation marks, of course, that makes wrestling and its fans seem like the idiot trash bags that we probably are. <laughs> something so <laughs> something so bad so genuinely embarrassing that it just makes you question if you ever want to watch this stuff again something so bad that your grandfather would be rolling around in his grave were he dead uh <laughs> examples jenna maraska versus charmel uh hulk hogan versus ultimate warrior two from halloween havoc i would argue a lot of saudi arabia matches Triple H and HBK versus Kane and Undertaker. That was probably minus five stars. Undertaker Goldberg, you could argue those minus five stars. In embarrassment to pro wrestling. Definitely like the Piggy James stuff, minus five stars. Yep. Yep. In fact, didn't we give it minus stars on our Royal Rumble rating? I think that was either one or uh, I think two matches got the minus five. I believe it was Piggy James and uh, what was the other one? Oh, the Boogeyman, the Boogeyman. and uh, Jillian Hall. Yep, exactly. 
Yes, sir. So yeah, that's that's the scale basically. I I, I wrote that down. It's uh, posted it on SportsFap. If you want to see that in writings, check it out SportsFap.com. But uh, yeah, Boris, that's uh, that's how we do it here. Yep. Speaking of fap, and just remember, next week it will be the <laughs> Valentine's edition of Bam. Get your love and relationship questions in. This is actually happening, Matt. It's happening. It is happening. We're doing this. We're running with the gimmick. Two single chunky boys telling you how to love good. <laughs> That's, oh my God, I can't wait for this. Oh, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> All right. All right, buddy. Well, you seem to be fired up. I, I, I'm happy for you. <laughs> Delilah move over it's bam <laughs> nice I like I said I've made the joke a couple times but we're stealing Ryan Russillo's gimmick here life advice from someone who has no idea how to run their own life yep exactly and without further ado we might as well get to those lives that we don't know how to run so it is time to go so before we do go just remember that on Friday if you're listening to the SNME feed and you are a patron and it is Friday. You're going to be getting the old fucks talking all uh, AW Dynamite. That's on Friday. On Saturday, it's our Dose Shows Saturday. In the mornings, you typically get the Smack Daddies talking all things SmackDown. Then you get the all the Dark Side of the Elite gents as they talk all things AEW Rampage. And now on Sunday, Boris and Matt are back on the main show with Mike McGuire chatting the week that was professional wrestling. And then we are back into the new week. And uh, yeah, man, next week we have a Impact pay-per-view preview. And we have some other fun stuff that we're going to be chatting about, including our love line. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're going to do love line. We're going to see if that works out. Probably preview Elimination Chamber. Probably preview No Surrender. Talk a little Super Bowl. It's going to be a fun show. Can't wait, buddy. And hey, travel safe, homie. Hope, Thank you. Uh, ho hope the trip goes well. Thank you. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Maybe I need to uh, get some of my own some of my own questions into this show next week. I can't wait. All right. <laughs> He's Matt. I'm Boris. Thank you for listening. And until next time, adios. Yeah, yeah, yeah.